Here's the situation. You become a big-time music producer, and you're required to put together a music supergroup called Birds of a Feather. They're going to make two albums, and they're going to play together and tour for one year. What's the genre, and who are the four artists you pick to work together? Wow. Okay, I'm TJ Jagodowski. I'm Rush Howell. And this is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. And uh, today's theme is Feathers and Suns. Feathers and Suns, yes. Yep, and it's suns uh, like the big orange ball of gas at yeah. the center of our solar system. We do that by saying S-U-N-S. Yes. That allows oh, people gotcha. to know that. Gotcha, well. right, I guess. I guess that's more both, more both succinct are. way to get it across. About the same. <laughs> um, it's not like you, you know those abbreviations that are longer than yeah. you know, more syllables <laughs> than the thing like the WWF for the World Wildlife Fund is seven <laughs> syllables versus four I think both of our ways of doing it were about the same yeah and Rush how we do this is we present uh, hypotheticals to each other that the other right. one has not has not heard right? correct I have not heard your situations you have not heard mine and we'll be getting back to that first one uh, that you mentioned there at the uh, near the end of the program um, in the meantime I'll hit you with one buddy I love it. And this is also premised on the uh, the axiom that birds of a feather flock together. Great. So um, here's the situation, Rush. I'd like you to mentally assemble your 10 closest friends. Wow. Okay. Or you can say eight, but, you know, seven, eight, but 10 if you got them. I got 10. Okay. And I'd like you to answer these questions premised by the idea that birds of a feather flock together. Great. Rush, what quality or aspect of... Uh, personality is most common amongst you and your closest friends? A sense of humor, uh, almost certainly like a strong sense of humor, uh, either in the form of uh, they themselves are pretty funny and or like to, you know, do bits, what have you, or uh, just have a really strong appreciation uh, for humor. Like a lot of my good friends over the years that, that, that I always refer to as my funniest friends that I didn't meet Mm -hmm. through comedy, (laughs) of which I could give you several names, guys like James McGilvery in college, Dave Hampton in law school, several others. Um, They they often have a great sense of humor, and uh, it's kind of nice because they're more laid back about it. (laughs) You know, they don't always have to have the mic in their hand, Mm -hmm. but then they're super funny. Uh, when, when they choose to be. But anyway, that, that would be the uh, across my 10 greatest friends. And one thing I do that's a weirdo thing that I do from time to time, because I'm, I'm 42 and I'm single, and I've probably been doing this for 10 years at least. No, probably 17 years, is I will often think in my head, if I got married next week, what's my, how many groomsmen do I have and who are they? <laughs> All right. And then kind of, I don't like chart it, I don't write it down, but over time, you know, obviously it changes. So anyway. Yeah. I kept it super simple. One, my brother. I got one brother, put put one guy up there. That was it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the smartest, <laughs> best way to do it. But I think I would go for I, I'm from the South. You know, I would do whatever the, you know, whatever my wife wanted to do. But if it were up to me, I'd have a big, big ass wedding with a lot of people in the wedding. I think my favorite kind of funny might be the guy who doesn't need the mic funny. That might be my my favorite. You know, like rolls rolls off of someone else doesn't need you know isn't like hey everyone listen to this it's the, the you know sitting next to the to the one guy who says it just to you or the two buddies around or whatever that that has you rolling that might be my favorite kind of funny that and then lunatic just like makes no sense not sequitur right. where the hell did that come from that's that might be my other favorite kind of funny yeah i see my favorite funny would be i, I love the guy i love the the first guy you mentioned but that's not my favorite. My my favorite is not the guy with the mic in his hand all the time. I don't love the guy who, in a room full of funny people, does the highest quantity mm-hmm. of jokes. But for me, there there just there's a few people of like preternatural talent who uh, ha- just find just the right mix between they don't they don't take a, a backseat too often, uh-huh. but they also don't take you know what I mean. They're just right down the middle. And that those people usually like the person who who is a five out of ten in terms of quantity, but a ten out of ten in terms of quality. Uh-huh. That's what I'm looking <laughs> yeah. for. Those are my my very favorite uh, comedic friends. All right, Rush. My second question about you and your you and your ten friends. Yes. What quality or aspect of personality do you think you have that is not really common amongst your friends? Oh, great question. Uh, I'm gonna have to think about that one. 
When I was thinking about this myself, my answer for the first one was also sense of humor. Okay. I also think that m- most of my friends are really smart too, but I don't know if just everyone thinks that about their friends. Right. But sense of humor, I've had entire relationships solely based upon upon sense of humor, you know, friendship relationships. We just make each other giggle. Um, one thing that I am that I don't think a lot of my friends are is I'm pretty damn neurotic. I have a lot of anxieties and a lot of neuroses. And I think most of my friends, all the ones that I can think of right now that would be in that group are pretty easygoing, take it as it comes kind of, kind of fellas. Yeah, I am mostly, I mean, I'm very type A, but, but about half of my good friends are, and half of them Mm -hmm. aren't, um, with, with certain groups, I mean, with a, with a big swath, I was going to say for a second that the, the, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was I'm more into organizing. I'm more into uh-huh. driving the right. the bus than most of my friends are. Uh, and I think, I think it would drive me bananas if I had a bunch of friends yep. like me. I mean, I have a, a group like a fantasy league that I run and in, and invented, right? Yeah, yeah, that's created, right. created, as created well. invented. Like, you'll create the scavenger hunt. You'll create the board game. You'll create the the fantasy the fantasy right. league and kind of make a playground for more people. Probably more often than your friends make a playground for for you for sure. Yeah, and I've always been of two minds on that because based on my type of personality, I always think people must love that. Mm-hmm. You know, people love to have stuff to do and it's fun and it's interesting. And then I think it also probably just exhausts people. I don't know all the time. I know that my mom would always say oh, yeah. that I was in a, just a truly exhausting child. I was. <laughs> I never turned. I I kind of never. I had a motor. I wish I had that motor today. But I, I just I would ask limitless questions, or it, you know, they would just put me outside, and I would just go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, forever. But if I was inside with them, it was just, you know, I just demanded attention and, and so forth all the time. Part of part of the uh, creation of this podcast was that, like, you might be the only person I know who, who didn't get sick of me, like, saying, like, hey, what do you th- like? What would it be like if this happened or <laughs> yeah. what? I wonder what like this is like, you know, that that you didn't seem to be. <laughs> tired by by yeah. that happening i still in certain aspects like I, I i do wish in life although like i think it's a good and a bad trait of mine is i don't really have kind of an off button uh-huh you know like i'm i'm often the last person to you know we're having a board game night and it's like midnight mm-hmm. and uh, normal people are like okay well that was five hours of playing games and i'm like well i'm happy just to, getting started uh, yeah I'll just now i feel no different on. than i did at the beginning let's move on to the good ones yeah. Anyway, um, great question. And maybe that and maybe that uh, will be an answer here. But what activity could you do um, that would entertain the majority of your friends? What um, what activity or event or whatever would, uh, yeah, like hit the biggest percentage of them as a pleasurable time? Boy, that's see, I wish it's not playing a board game. Mm-hmm. I'd say e- even though I would think that I would have more friends that enjoy that like I do. Uh, that's definitely not the case. Um, I, I, you know, I, this is kind of a dumb answer, but it's just, it happens to be the true answer, which is having like a big fun dinner yep. is probably the thing that would work the best. It's very easy. I mean, almost all of my friends, like they're all great conversationalists. I could have said that instead of sense of humor. Mm. I, I don't think I have any friend that I don't think is, is really fun to talk to. And they, you know, uh, like a dinner with, you know, maybe some cocktails before and then like, you know, you sit down for a while and, and have a good time. Like that's something that would bring everybody together. A lot of my friends, it would be, you know, some like golf, some like tennis, some yeah. like, you know, running, some like skiing. It would be hard to pick one exact thing. Some like gambling, some don't. Right. But, you know, just a good like fancy dinner somewhere would be great. Last question um, about about your friends. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. I have two more. Um, is the friend of the, of those 10 is the friend that you made first from that group, the most different from the friend you made most recently. And I guess behind this is, were you most different when you made that friend in your life? And when you made the newest friend in your life, does that make sense? It does. It's an awesome question. I've never thought about that in my life. Uh, the, 
my my oldest friend of my friends that I'm closest with right now is definitely the most different from my other close okay. friends. It may well be. I've never thought about this. It may well be that um that reflects that I was quite different then. However, the things that I have in common with him are things that I still to this day am very very much into. Yeah. Uh, but but I would say my oldest friend that I'm really close with is a guy named Greg Friedman, who I met um, when I was a freshman. Well, I met him. I met him when I was a sixth grader. Uh-huh. And uh, I was a very good runner, believe it or not. And in sixth grade, he, and he was an eighth grader. And he, he was old for an eighth grader, and I was young for a sixth grader. Hmm. And he... And there was a guy named Wallace Hester, who I haven't seen in 25 years. And Wallace Hester was like kind of fast, and Greg Friedman was was much ended up much faster than Wallace Hester. But I was a sixth grader, and I could already run. Uh, I think I ran a 504 mile in sixth grade, which good was quite Lord. good. And I went out to track practice, which I never. I mean, I'd always thought of track wasn't really a sport to uh-huh. me, and I played every sport growing up, and I didn't want to go to track practice. But I went because I was good at running, and um, and Wallace Hester, uh, uh, was running, and he was like kind of this cool eighth grader, I guess maybe. And Greg Friedman was like basically his his sidekick at the time, and we we ran like four four hundreds in a row, and they were the fastest eighth graders, but I could keep up with them. And for the first three, I was like right there or barely beat them, and then on the fourth one, I got dropped. These these older kids were faster than me, and, and they beat me, and you know not by a ton, but by a little. And when I crossed the finish line, Wallace Hester is like, "Where were you on that one, buddy?" And and Greg Friedman just like cackles behind him and goes, "Yeah, where were you on that one?" So I hated him. And fl- flash forward three years later, I that's my only experience. I never went back to track practice because I couldn't have cared less. And then. I would just go, I would go after my tennis matches and go run the mile and the two mile and, and would win. And I think I still have the school record for eighth grade mile, but, uh, so I meet Greg when I'm a ninth grader predisposed to hate the guy. And for like a week, I'm just like, you know, fuck that dude. I don't want to talk to him. And then he became by far my best friend, uh, on the team and probably my best friend, you know, for most of my, uh, you know, for most of my time in high school. But anyway, so sorry for that sidetrack, but but he is um he, he has the most different personality than most of the rest. But I would say that um you know, in terms of uh probably my best friend that I've met most recently would be closer to Greg than almost all of the okay. other ones that I met along the way. So I do think that my friend's personalities um there was some impact on what I was doing at the time, like whether I was trying to do comedy professionally or becoming a lawyer or was in college or in law school. Like it, I was, I'm always, I think generally the same person, but was surrounded by a type of gr- people that produced a little bit different friends. And here's the last one. And this might be tough to separate. Um, but are most of your friends made through a shared interest or through kind of a shared geography that, you know, like, was it that you guys like games or like sports or was it that you were just together cause you were in school or at work? Well, I think I think shared interest, but of course geography matters, right? Because you have, um, it, that's just who you're going to meet. Yeah, and I, I've talked about this. I think with you years and years and years ago, like in an Armando, I talked about this. But I have a theory about friendships, or, or not a theory, but just kind of a, I don't know, metaphor. That's not the right word either. But I think about friendships like this: like your friendship with someone else is like a like a, a, a not completely taught like a string. Okay. So I'm connected to you and there are two things that make that string longer. And the longer the string kind of the, the, the harder it is to maintain the friendship. The first is geography. Mm-hmm. So the further away you are, the longer the string. So just think about if you had a map of the U S yep. and the people that are close to me, I've got a, a, a shorter string. So it's easier for me to maintain. And then the second thing is time. And to me, time is, I, I, I analogize by saying you put a little weight on the uh, string and it'll slowly start pulling it down, like creating it longer, mm-hmm. making the triangle longer. So, so the combination of geography and time, I think are the two things that 
start to pull for me start to pull that thread apart yeah. and the friendship you know kind of goes away nice work buddy all right well hey those were good questions and i uh i was happy to ramble on about them they were very interesting <laughs> to me happy to listen all right here's a short one okay buddy here's the situation yes you are on the brand new game show called pound of feathers Ooh, okay, okay? And it's named after that old stupid you know right. joke slash Riddle where yep. it's like, what weighs more, a pound of feathers or a pound of bricks? Yep. Well, okay, uh, they're both a pound. But in the game of a pound of feathers, what they do is they they so there's two different rounds in pound of feathers. The first round is they give you three different things, and you have to say which one weighs the closest to a pound of feathers. Oh, okay. cool. And then the second round is you against the other contestant have to give something that's, if you win the first round, then you have to give uh, the name of something that's closest to exactly one pound. Okay. And depending on how well you do, you get prize money. All right. So it's pound of feathers. So here is, uh, we're going to do one of each of those rounds. Uh, three things. Yes. They bring out and they say, which is weighs closest to exactly one pound of feathers? All right. A roll of quarters. Hmm. A baseball. Hmm. An extra large t-shirt. And the t-shirt says pound of feathers. You know, they have a, the merchandising. Right. They bring it out there. The baseball's got a little logo, pound of feathers, and and then they just have a roll of quarters. Hmm. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I'm eliminating the baseball. Okay. Um, too heavy, I'm, too too light. Too light. Okay. Um, uh, but I'm pretty darn close on 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 these two. Um, do you know? I do. Okay. Um I came prepared, my friend. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm hosting Pound of Feathers. It's the XL t shirt. That's what you think? Yeah. I'm afraid you're wrong. Uh, the XL T-shirt weighs 5.5 ounces. Oh, no. So, you know, a little bit around a third of a pound. The baseball weighs between five and five and a quarter ounces. Yeah. So a little lighter than the T-shirt, whereas the roll of quarters should come in at uh, eight ounces. So exactly half a pound. Half a pound. And I was interested wow. to learn that the way the, way the mint is supposed to work is that um, $20 worth of uh, quarters... Uh, dimes or half dollars should all weigh exactly one pound. No kidding. That's uh, the way the mint was set up. So when they come off the mint, it should work exactly. For some reason, I don't think nickels and pennies fit into that. Wow. At least it didn't on the thing that I read. But anyway. they're, they're the unridged ones as well. That's right. Do you know why they ridged them? I do not. In the days when they, uh, they were made of silver, silver uh, quarters and stuff, it, uh, people would shave the edges if they weren't ridged and you couldn't tell. Uh-huh. Okay. They ridged them up so people wouldn't shave shave little slivers of silver off there. Makes and, sense. Yeah, yep. and steal it, melt mm -hmm. it down. Uh, so, um, luckily for you, the other, the people, other contestant, yeah, baseball, picked, baseball. they picked the baseball. <laughs> so they were they were more wrong than you. So you made it to the finals. You Gosh. have to give me an object that weighs closest that you can get to one pound. It's not Price is Right rules. So yep. 1.04 is better than 0.9. Okay. So you got to give me something that weighs uh, exactly a pound. Obviously, you can't say things like yep. a pound of this or something that would that would clearly be measured to be. Exactly and it can only one be one thing, right? That's great. Okay. A single, uh, a single uh, Samba sneaker. How much does a Samba shoe yep. weigh? Yeah. Oh boy, I am I am I'm on this thing. I am on this thing. Oh wow. Well, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Not incredible. I I, I misread it for a second. I thought I saw it fifteen point eight ounces. It's, oh. it's eleven point eight ounces. Uh, so you hit right at okay. three almost exactly at three quarters yeah. of a pound. Uh big prizes if you can get between <laughs> point nine and one point one, but you're going away with uh, fifty dollars, a T-shirt that says "Pound of Feathers," a baseball that says "Pound of Feathers," and a roll of quarters. So, how was just out of curiosity? How was <laughs> thanks? Thanks for great prizes. I'm not going home empty. Uh, yeah, you're not going home empty. How much would a video a videotape in one of like the blockbuster cases have been? Uh, weight of a VHS VCR, yeah. tape. Let's see here. Uh, the, uh, even if you had the case, you're you're in trouble because it's seven point five okay. ounces. All right, seven point five ounces. What did did you when you when you thought about this? Did you try and pick a a one pound item in your mind? Uh, the baseball I knew would be under, 
the other two things in my head I thought might be might be a pound. Did did you present? Uh, did you think of an object of like okay, if I was if you were playing the second round, what an object that would be? As well, I kind of I kind of did because th- that's the ones that I then used. Oh, okay, got so it. So I, I it was interesting. I was consistently wrong. Like in my head, the the the, the amount that is one pound, I was consistently wrong. Yeah, I was always light, yeah. and, and in the same way that you were, yeah. like a VHS tape. I mean, a lot of the things that we said were between uh, a half a pound and uh, three quarters of a pound. Gotcha. All right, Rush. Um, here's a, I don't know. This is this isn't too situationally heavy, but here's the situation. Okay. And this is about the sun. Um, what percentage of the sunrises you have seen are because you woke up, and what percentage uh, have been because you stayed up? All night. And I would like to hear maybe a brief anecdote about one really lovely or dreadful sunrise that you have witnessed. Okay. I would say the sunrises I've seen because I woke up is well over 90%. Okay. When I was younger, it was, well, until I was 16, 17, it was 100%. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe a couple times we stayed up way late on a you know sleepover while we were playing you know some flashlight game or whatever. <laughs> but I, I would conk out even you know like I said I was I was charging pretty hard in those days. <laughs> um, in college, right after college, uh, I probably oh there there were definitely a couple years where I might have been closer to fifty fifty. Uh-huh. I wasn't doing a ton of six a.m. wake ups, but especially in Chicago in the winter, you're gonna see sunrises all the time although there's gonna be coated with gray clouds but w- well over 90 percent okay. um i remember uh a sunrise i'll give you two i'll give you one of each all right that's memorable to me don't know why either one popped into my head i wouldn't have i'm just doing the first ones right <laughs> so one i remember was um Going out to at the beach and and we did like a sunrise. We got on horse horseback. Oh, and went out in the dark, which was whoa, which was a little crazy. Um, and they they had a thing like an an activity where you could ride out and you got to the beach and they were like they did sunrises and sunsets. And I remember being like, I please no to my mom. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> That's way too early, but we went out and we did the ride, and it was cool to see to watch yeah. like the sun pop up over the beach on horseback was cool. the The reverse was I had done many times where you would ride the horse out and watch the sunset, and then have like a picnic dinner, and then you know those horses are so like it, it, you so can't fa- you can't face those horses. It's a long work day for them though, man. Yeah, well, you hopefully know? they rotate them. <laughs> I, I, I gotta hope, but also I weigh like you know sixty five pounds and ten years old or whatever. Um, yeah, and then I, I just remember very late in my in my college days when you are you're hitting that point where you're you're close to graduation and you're just sad that it's coming to an end because it, for me and I think for a lot of people college is a very enjoyable experience although I was you know pleasantly surprised so many people said yeah, it's the best four years of your life you know it's mm-hmm. downhill from there that's not true but it was a great four years yeah loved it and I remember several of my very good friends and I um, just having a very, very late night, but not a wild night, uh-huh. you know, not an out of control. Let's see how many, you know, drinks we can have, yeah. but just kind of a sip and gab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sip, and gab, just laugh and yeah. just all outside. And in Princeton, it was the weather's not great for a lot of the year, but you know, at this point in the year, it was really nice. And we were sitting back in this cottage club, which is where I was a, a member there and, it's got a really beautiful setup there and just watching the sun come up after who knows 8 hours of mm-hmm. of talking with with about 20 good friends out there and just kind of knowing boy this college experience is is close to the end and I can't remember the last time I have talked with any group of people for for like 8 hours and had that be a pleasant experience <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. that would be that would be a torturous assignment now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think I could enjoy that. But um, yeah, and also like I, I wake up, I see the sunrise almost every day now. Um, and I, I, in fact, the sun, wa- uh, if I'm not awake by 630 or whatever, the sun's going to rip through my, because I have my windows are right on the, my bedroom, right onto the the lake yep. and, the, and the 
sun's coming up. The shores the of beautiful Lake Michigan. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. All right. Uh, good stuff. That's the end of that one, right? Yes. Okay. Um, this one is also about the sun. Okay. Uh, here's the situation. Yep. Our sun is depleting rapidly. Mm. It's unclear are how break, much. Are you breaking this news to me? Or no, this... no, I don't okay. know. This is this is a oh, hypothetical. Thanks. This is not how. This I is not find a very out. real situation. This is a hypothetical. The best scientists can guess is the there's like a thirty percent chance that it blows within the next hundred years. Okay, and like an eighty percent chance that it blows within the next thousand years. Okay. Okay, so they don't know exactly, but that's what they know. There is a alien race that has the ability to, through superior technology and through their own makeup, to uh, go and basically serve as like a tow truck, pick up another star that would work uh, for us. Switch it out. Bring it in and swap out the sun. Mm -hmm. In that situation... You're the president of the world. You have to make the decision. What is your? It's a job I never wanted. You never but wanted one that I'll accept. <laughs> That's you know, right. You're president of the it world wasn't one that I wanted. So, uh, what is the? Where am Where am I in the in the uh, the like list of succession for president of of the world currently? Yeah, I mean, did a lot. Yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, not I'm way real, down, not right? close. Okay. Yeah, I mean, not uh, you're not in the top billion. Oh, damn it! You know so. I mean, sorry to break it to you, but I don't think... I mean, you could still um, be top 25% yeah, and outside no, the top yeah. billion. Nor am I. But we're not in ever going to be president of the world. Okay. But in this in this situation, you sure. are. And what I want to know is, what is the maximum percentage of world population loss that you're willing to, to suffer for swapping out that sun and getting a new sun that's guaranteed for at least a million years? So... Like, cause, cause in the switchover, we're, oh, we're going to get gonna be a cold. We're going to, uh, it's we're, either going to get way too cold or way too hot or... for a while. It's very hard for these two giant tow trucks to balance it. And you're going to have like terrible, you know, ice cap problems or a uh, freezing. And, and a lot of people this are going to This brings die. to mind a, an assortment of trouble of problems for, for me. Cause, uh, cause over the next hundred years, I think we're in all sorts of trouble that's not even sun related, right? Sure. Over the next thousand years, we're without a doubt in trouble for things that aren't 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 sun related. So I'm changing the light bulb, but the the air conditioner is also on the fritz, and the carpet is is going to need to be changed. There's there's yeah, there's exactly. a host of so it, it may it may just not be worth it, right? Yeah. Even though it, all things else being equal, it might preserve human life yeah. for a million years. And there's a bunch of people alive right now who is, it's going to be a brutal sell to say like, hey, we may only have a thousand years. Like, well, dude, I, that's all I need. You know? Oh, like, well, that's why it's got to be a president of the world because if you yeah. had like a world congress, they would always find a way to vote to kick it to later and yeah. have a later generation be the one that dies to bring in the sun. I, we know that. I guess just to pick a percentage to start chatting about, if it's going to be an over 10% loss of the world population, I'm not I'm not changing bulbs. Okay. So, uh fair enough. So you're like you maybe in the 7 to 9% or something like that, you would yeah. change the bulb. What if instead, <clears throat> let's just get a different uh a slightly different range. Let's say that the scientists are saying Look, we we think there's about a 90% chance that the sun will blow up in the next 100 years. Mm-hmm. We think it is we think it, I mean it could go tomorrow, but we just think it's really likely. We've been detecting stuff, it's starting these flares. These flares are usually a precursor of, you know, 5 to 95 years. Okay. So, we can get this done now or we can't. What what at that situation uh how does your number change? Well, like part of it's going to be like we're going to end up with a serious dead body problem. Sure. Right. I mean, we're if if we do a switcheroo and it's only, you know, nine percent of the world population, we have what? Seven, seven. What's ten? It's if it's seven billion, six hundred and thirty million people, six hundred and thirty million bodies. Yeah. Right. That that we'll have to dispose of, of in some way that doesn't create a ton of pestilence and. 
and and oh, there's going to be massive follow-on problems. Yeah, which is going to be a nine percent of, of the world's other, population dying. Yeah, there's going to be it, another twenty. You know, twenty percent of the world's going to die from from disease. But, the, but, but and, I want to be clear. The, these are the estimates of total loss that yeah. your scientists okay. are giving you because you're making a great point. Okay, but your scientists are kind of taking that into account. Gotcha. So they're saying, yeah, look, I mean, they're going to be follow-on massive economic problems and other things. I mean, it's going to be a reset. Yeah, there's going to be multiple generations, probably more or less, you know, kind of lost. I don't know if I don't know if I go up on this. I, I don't know if I don't know if I if I'm willing to 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 take more than that. I might just say like, y'all live every day like it's your last, and uh, we're gonna ride we're we're gonna ride this big blue ball into the frozen. <laughs> Into the frozen misty on this. Fair farm. enough. Hey, look, we got this, son. This was what we were allowed. <laughs> right? we, like, we knew. We knew when we bought it. This is... it, it was going to go. <laughs> we we're not allowed to just replace it. Yeah, if you don't read time. the fine print on this on the warranty of this thing, then you know, like, then tough, tough, tough yep. took us. Um, how, how much would you? How much? So you I take? was um, similar than different. I okay. was. I said five percent. Yeah. Because I for the same reason, which I thought, I mean, five percent is obviously a ton. I don't want to. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. hey, poo poo, losing 350 million lives. But I thought, you know, there's a chance, there's a decent chance that we can figure some of this stuff out. We're probably just going to like kill off a ton of our species by mistake, you know, anyway, and then have to figure out how we move forward from that. Right. But I thought at 5%, if you could guarantee that, uh, because, you know, at some point, obviously the sun explodes, that's it. Yeah. Adios. But when it was, you know, it's going to happen in the next hundred years. Then to me, it started feeling like social security or something where I'm like, I really hate it that every generation says, "Mm, yeah, we, I know we could (laughs) fix it now, but we'd really have to suffer some pain to do it. So let's move it on down the line. The sun blowing up is the, is the third rail of world politics. That's right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can't touch, you know, you like, there are a bunch of people running purely on, (laughs) Hey, the sun's going to blow up. Right. Which is actually there's the kind rent of a, is too goddamn high guy, and then there's the sun is going to blow up yeah. guy. Like, yeah, I didn't want to make it like <laughs> as obvious a metaphor, but obviously that uh, that is is a case right now where you have some people who are just like, wake up, guys. Right. The only issue we should be talking about is climate change. So, uh, but I was way higher. I mean, I I was like thirty yeah. percent or something. If if I know I it's going to go in the next hundred in the next hundred years, because I, I I don't even know. I mean, if you said. 65 percent i'd have to think i'd have to think about it. if it was if it was a hundred percent you know you don't do it but if it's 99 do you say okay you wow. know like yeah. and then you're like thanos and or something like that you know you're live like on the super pile. villain but you've talked yourself into like well look i'm this is a utilitarian play yeah i'm thinking about a million years of generations and by the way like it'll help clean up the planet a little yeah. bit yeah good luck living on the bodies of 99 percent of the the world's pop oh yeah but you're gonna die <laughs> in 99 to 1 to to die anyway all right here's a light one rush okay great uh this is on feathers here's the situation you wake up one day and decide you really want a parrot you got you gotta have one um and the only parrot shop in town is a boutique parrot shop specializing in rare birds the shopkeeper is sure he can find a good one for you, and in order to best satisfy your wishes, he has some questions. Okay. Cool? Great. I'm there to buy a parrot. You got you got to end today with a parrot. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he says, um, here's what we got size-wise for you, my friend. He was, uh, we have uh, a tiny parrot. Um, we, have a, well, we have a bunch of tiny parrots. They're all a half inch tall. Okay. Uh, we have some big ones. They're all about five foot tall. And we have some regular size, but they're all naked. What do you mean by naked? No feathers. Okay. Oh, okay. They're just bare. Okay. Um, which which <clears throat> which would you like? Uh, definitely not the five foot tall parrot. Okay. Absolutely not. Um, I'm gonna take these kind of tiny, fun little figurine parrots. Okay. Yeah, they're just a half inch tall. So they're <laughs> yeah yeah. No, they they they. I like them. He goes, uh, great. Um, they now, look like crickets. All of our parents can talk. All of our parrots can talk. So, um, would you like the ones that one of the ones that sounds like Hitler? Uh, one of the ones that sounds like Edith Bunker or the ones that talk so soft you almost have to be touching it to hear it. I'll take all three. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think I'm I, you know, look, I think that I would laugh a lot early on at the Hitler at the Hitler tiny parrot. Just like an angry German voice is is usually pretty funny. I think it would start to get tiresome to me. Yep. 
I can't I can't take the one I can barely hear. Okay. Like I I'm assuming, you know, I'm there because I want to be able to talk to the parent. Huh, yeah. So I, I'm not gonna take one that basically takes away that ability. And so even though um Archie Bunker's wife Gene Stapleton Jean's, uh, yep, has an annoying voice, mm-hmm. it actually is not that different from kind of the screeching parrot voice I'm used to. Okay. So I think I'm I'm able to just be like, that's kind of status quo. And, but she's a little funnier than a normal parrot voice. So I'm in. Great, sir. I, and I think we can satisfy just a couple more questions. Okay. Uh, he says, um, um your parrot will Is this tiny Tiny bird gonna still be able to project? It's still gonna be as loud oh, as full a... volume. Okay. Full volume. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Um. Uh. Your parent can um only speak Dutch. Uh. Will in uh, or will insert random swears when it talks. Okay. Or will talk about stuff uh, it sees you do without necessarily you prompting it. Okay. Uh, never, ever, ever going to have a parrot that speaks Dutch. Okay. Dutch is a stupid language. All I right. don't know why they speak it over there. Okay. Um. I hate it. And no, thank you. Okay. So then uh, I'm between... Uh, uh, it'll well, insert random swears or it's going to talk about stuff it sees you do. Well, see, here's here's where mm-hmm. here's where parrot salesman, if you knew me better, you'd know this is an easy choice because if it talks about stuff it sees me doing, I swear a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get both of those things. Okay. So I'm going to take the one that just occasionally throws some uh, swear words okay, in Okay, great. Sir, I mean, it's your first time in the shop, right? I mean, I can't be penalized yeah, for not, not having, I'm not, penalizing not knowing your you. taste. I'm just you, you know, what you presented is a tough choice. Was okay. Not. And finally, sir, we have a parrot that um, won't live more than three years, that yep. won't live less than 40 years, oh. or will be alive or dead on an alter- uh, alternating basis daily. <laughs> oh, I, I got to take this halftime bird. Okay, great. Wonderful. Yeah, because I think they're going to be about... I hope that we get on the right rhythms. Yeah. Because I'm not going to want to deal with the bird every day. Wonderful. So half the time... And he's, he doesn't he doesn't feel like the pain of death no, each no, time, no. right? Just just boom. And he's then just like... Can we say like a heart... like a, Almost like he's in a coma kind of... Sure, you can day, say that if you want, but he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. 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 I no, mean, you. I got to be careful about, hey, please don't throw out the dead bird, mm-hmm. you know, to anyone that comes and maybe is like... If they can see it. I mean, it's, it's a really little... It's a tiny little guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, look, I mean, under three years, no thanks, and then it's going to make it 40. Yeah. I, I'm i not sure that, you know, I want that long of a relationship. I'm not sure I really want this parrot, mm-hmm. sir, but I, you know, I'll take it. Man, you came into us. Um, I did. So I I'll, did. I'll cage it up for you just Thank to make you. sure I have the right one. You want a uh, half-inch tall parrot that sounds like Edith Bunker who will randomly insert <laughs> swears when he talks and will be alive and dead alternating yeah. daily. It sounds like reading a Mad Lib at the end. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> Wonderful. $18. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I've never had a bird as a pet, I don't think. <laughs> Me neither. I don't think I... I'm not in a big hurry to. <laughs> but those little tiny birds might be fun. Okay, TJ. Yeah. Let's see. I had one, but that's kind of similar, so let's go to a slightly... <laughs> similar to that parrot one? A little bit. No kidding. But, well, not really, but... Oh. It, it, <laughs> Um. Okay, so uh, here's the situation. Yeah, I want to go back to your invention list, the top five thousand oh, okay. inventions of all time, and I want to talk about an invention that I have I've, I've always wanted to have. Okay. And by the way, the last time, or maybe not the last time, but sometime we talked. Uh, we oh, it was, we were talking about patents, and oh, I right. talked about like making the one where the. Uh, you can take the peanut butter or the salsa right. jar, and then uh, someone uh, sent sent to us in our email uh, an Instagram thing where somebody had proposed that idea and gotten forty thousand or no twenty two thousand four hundred likes for for basically my idea, which was stolen from Brian Shortall. So <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a great invention. This one's even greater, and that is the. I call it the suntan lotion because when I grew up, that's what they called that stuff, suntan lotion. How absurd is that? It's just like skin cancer cream, you know? But uh, it's a sunblock pill. So you take it 30 minutes before you go out in the sun. You don't have to apply sunscreen. Works just as well. Works perfectly. Like, you know, good working sunscreen. Yeah. Okay. So if that were an invention, does it, let's hope it makes the top 5,000. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I want you to give me... Where you would rank it, all-time inventions, and then give me the one one ahead of it and one behind it. Wow. Okay. So a suntan lotion pill. It kind of sounds better than a sunblock pill. 
even though it's, yeah. it's absurd. I hear you. It's just, it's, it, it, it is sunblock. I mean, We're not trying yeah. to like help somebody. But tan. when you call it, as I said it, like it's a suntan lotion pill, it just sounds like a pill filled with suntan lotion. It does. It right. You know, like, it, yeah. so yeah, you do have to go with like a sunblock, sunblock pill or a yeah. uh, shade pill or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm first going to place suntan lotion on the list. Okay. And then gauge off how much of an improvement I think it is in capsule form. Significant improvement. I yeah. hope you agree. I, well, I you wouldn't believe how much I agree because you have probably never known this about me, but I'm near phobic of lotion. Okay. Uh, the the sound, the touch, everything about it. I I uh, I I never I never have applied it to myself. It's all I can do to put conditioner in my hair. Mm. I find it so disgusting. Fits into this neuroses point. Yes. From earlier. Yeah. Um, okay. I also won't use mayonnaise for the same for mm. the same reason because it just is. I, food I never lotion. I never rub mayonnaise. That's on just myself either food lotion. <laughs> You're just putting lotion on your sandwich when you do that. Oh. Um, I'm going to refrain from mentioning other things where that would be true <laughs> if that idea that i totally disagree with that you just said is true so suntan lotion is like the maybe two hundred thirty thousandth best you hate invention it. ever yeah. yeah yeah you'd rather get the cancer um yeah i'll roll i'll roll the dice or just you know use shirts and hats and stuff you know to okay. stay out of the sun um so suntan lotion pill shade pill i'm gonna put on there that's that's gonna be like the 4,116th best invention. Okay, great. Ever. I can probably make money off that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially okay. when you hear what's on either side. I'm I can't about, wait. Yeah. Can't wait. So what did I say? 4116? Yes. All right. So four, I got to tell one, you, 4115. 4115. And it used to be 4116, but it's now 4117 yeah. now that I've displaced it with the suntan lotion pill. So slightly better is the accordion file. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's. I do like an accordion file. Yeah, but you don't love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? 4115 is about right for the accordion It can be file. a little frustrating because sometimes you don't know which packet your, your thing is in. And, you you, you know, it's a little little, it's a little less helpful in the organization than you think it's going to mm-hmm. be. Yep. And the uh, the 4117 is like the little, the, the kind of smaller kind of suit bag that is still attached to the, to the lid of your suitcase. When, you know, you like you unzip the suitcase yep. and then you fold the top down and then sometimes there's like a mini like s- suit um, sure. sleeve, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that doesn't seem to do a ton more than just having your suit fold up without it's, it. It's just, a, it's just a wrinkle creator. Yeah. Is all it does. You put it in there, it never works. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of, of those. I, my travel bag, I don't even, I don't even bother with it. Yeah, neither do I. Okay, but you know both of those made some money. I, I would say suntan for me suntan lotion pill. We're talking like probably higher, like in the in the twenty two hundred ish range. Uh, I hate. I have a different thing with suntan lotion or sunblock than you. Which I just don't enjoy the the process, like mm. putting the lotion on. Just it takes longer than I feel like it should, and then I miss spots. Yep. And so you'll have that day where you're just you just under your eye is badly burned. Mm-hmm. And then also I'll be playing cuz for me it's most often playing tennis. So okay. I play tennis outdoors. I try to play two or three times a week during the summers. So when you for one thing I was going to bring up is and it doesn't sound like it'll come up for for you cuz when you are playing tennis at least you individually can reach every spot that you want covered with it cuz you don't have to do back application right. or what have you. So at least you avoid the the d- uncomfortable situation of perhaps having to ask someone you don't know super well or whatever to yeah. hit your middle, get the middle of your back with this right. gunk, this Satan spawn gunk. <laughs> so you must like the spray better than the... I, if I do it, I, I just never use it. Yeah, you I just... never use it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, Rush, here's my last one. Uh, Copernicus is usually credited with the proposal that um, we revolve around the the sun. Uh, I read something that said there was probably someone who came up earlier than that. Obviously, the moon revolves around us on the earth, and the earth revolves itself on its own on its own axis. Cool? Yes. So uh, my question for you is, here's the situation. What do you revolve around? What revolves around you and what keeps you spinning on axis? Ooh. Uh, heavy duty, right, bro? Yeah. Heavy duty. duty. Going to be hard to get the right answers quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. What to... Uh, 
Now, what do you revolve around? I mean, I imagine for some people maybe who are listening, like, oh, it's work. Work rules, you know, work rules their yeah, life. Yeah, well, that certainly like, came to mind first. My children. I'm not, I'm not saying my children, but maybe some people would say, like, oh, my world revolves around my children right. or what have you. But Yeah. Look, I mean, so there's two answers to the first one, which is what, what do I revolve around? Mm-hmm. And... I mean, work is a good answer. Like I spend on average, you know, nine hours a day, probably just guessing maybe a little less with the weekends included, but thinking about work or working Mm -hmm. and that's more than I spend on anything else. Yep. So if you're doing, if you're looking at quantity, then that would be true. I also enjoy, in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day about this because we've got to do like reviews of, of our young associates. And I was, I was talking to an associate about it and said, you know, for me, like this job kind of changed when I, uh, when I stopped kind of saying, well, look, it's this job and it's frustrating and started saying, wouldn't it be fun to try to be good at it? And that made me start thinking about it outside of work, but not in a, Oh, I have dread. I'm don't want to do this work to more like, uh, it's fun to think about these challenging issues type thing. So, so that would be one answer. But then the other answer would be like, you know, friends and family, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what's that, that. I would certainly say that's most important to me, more important than work. And if I had to give up one or the other, it's not a tough call. So maybe I revolve around, you, you know, friends and family. Uh, what revolves around me? I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure anything really does. Um, <laughs> that was the hardest one I had, like trying to think about it myself. You know, I, if you, you know, have like, young kids or something, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have a pet. I don't have young kids. I, what revolves around me? I. I I, I don't know. Uh, my fantasy sports league certainly does. Okay, so I'll say yeah. that. Um. Because I have to run it, <laughs> so right. if I'm not there, it falls apart. <laughs> uh, certain certain of my like trial teams at work would have to, I guess. But they they would, you know, if I had to go, they could replace me. Uh, and then, you know, on this other one, I, I'm going to say food. I mean, food is what yeah. keeps me. Revol- I mean, in a <laughs> in an actual literal sense. Without it, I would I would stop uh, being able to right. function. And so, even though I would rather say something like exercise or uh, stimulating conversation, right. you know, I mean, first and foremost, like if I don't eat, that's the one thing I make sure I do every day right. is I eat and I enjoy eating. And, you know, there are days when everything else is pretty miserable and I still, uh, if I have food that I like, I'm going to enjoy that 10 minutes yeah. while I hammer some sandwich. <laughs> How about you? What were your answers? Well, um, you know, it's, it's weird. I don't know if you do this. Like I do when I first write these questions down, I just want to come up with something that I think would be interesting to listen to you talk about or something that might tickle you. And so my first thought is never like, how would I, how would I answer this? I I get to that after I've written it down of like, oh yeah, how would, how would I answer this in case, you know, like in case uh, we both do answer it. Um, And so it's kind of a, kind of a, you know, sort of a heavy answer, but, um, and I don't know if you know this about me, Rush, but for my adult life, my entire adult life, I've been uh, eating disordered. And so um, I'm working on it. I uh, don't, don't, don't worry, dear listener. I'm, uh, I'm, I, um, I have programs and nutritionists and stuff like that, but, um, but to a degree that I'm not super, you know, I'm super happy with yet and I'm working on, on fixing this. Uh, my world in many ways still revolves around food and food issues. Right. Um, what revolves around me, I was, I, I think Beth and I revolve around, my wife and I revolve around each other. Makes I sense. think, you know, like, because uh, I would say like, as I was like, oh man, should I say I revolve around my wife? But like, that's also not the nature, you know, unless we're both doing that, that's not the nature of what I want our relationship to be like anyway, that, yeah. you know, one of us revolving around the other, unless we're both revolving around 
each other. Yeah, for um, sure. So um, one oh, another thing that revolves around me is I started like um, a men's or actually didn't start as a men, just men happen to be who's mostly showing up um, a baseball practice on Sundays right. at the park district here that has basically turned into playing baseball games every Sunday. I adore it. Uh, and I think that still probably re- result revolves around me a little bit as far as like letting everybody know we're on and but we're going to this field and yep. stuff. I'm also looking forward to the to it just existing with you know with without me as well if i'm away or, or what have you that this carries yeah, on yeah when you walk into the cornfield and slowly disappear <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of what it's like every yeah. sunday man uh and i think uh what keeps me revolving doing something like this um i i uh, having a, a some sort of creative outlet and yep. and and being able to share this with you keeps me revolving and also um some um in the summertime walking or some kind of like exercise keeps my mind right and keeps me spinning in the right direction. Oh yeah. I mean, look, all those things are true. Like I have to get some exercise. Yeah. I have to have some sort of mental challenge and I have to have some sort of creative outlet separate and apart from like solving difficult problems. Right. So totally agree that I need all those things, but I, it, you know, again, I'm just trying to be honest. Like mm-hmm. the first and foremost would be, I got to have some food. Give me some grub. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. So, um, I'm going to do, uh, one other quick one and then we'll come back to the one, uh, that we started with Love if that works for you. So, and this is the one that your, your parrot thing made me think about a okay. little bit. And this is from our good friend, Andy St. Clair, oh, Andy. who I, I mentioned uh, the topics for this week. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've got an idea here. Uh, and again, feathers and suns. So um, here's what he said. And I'll just re- read it in, in the classic prose of Andy St. Clair, <laughs> who I'd love to have a guest on yeah. on this at, at some point one soon. Of our first, one of our first choices. Andy. He says, you have to live at Yellowstone. Build a cabin. Live off the land. Oh, sorry. Here's the situation. Okay. From Andy. Yeah. Who knew? Like, Andy's never done this before. How would he know yeah. that it has to start that I way? I channeled you know? that, right. that mistake. <laughs> uh, you have to live at Yellowstone. Okay. Build a cabin. Yep. Live off the land. Mm-hmm. Your one friend is a talking bird who can tell you the deal with Yellowstone. Where to live, who to avoid, what to avoid. He gives great advice. But he never shuts up, ever. For every one good thing he says, he says ten super dumb things, and he's constantly talking. You got to live there for a year for five million dollars. Can you make it? <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. do that. Yeah, I can make it. What's more frustrating, the bird or uh, having to live in the land of in the middle of Yellowstone? Oh, for the a bird. Year? The, yeah, I, I would love. I would. I love the idea of living for a year in Yellowstone. That yeah. would, I, I'd love that idea. Um, the, oh, the bird for sure is most, is most challenging without yeah. a doubt. And what if he's got, uh, Edith Bunker's voice? Uh, I mean, it, it's not going to matter. Right. <laughs> it's really not going to matter. <laughs> Even if it's Barry White's voice, if it never stops and, yeah. you know, it's it incessant. But he's also giving you like the key advice that you yeah, need, need to survive. Gotta you got great him. ideas. Got to How you him. avoid stuff yeah. and so forth. <laughs> you know, this, this sounds, this sounds like, uh, you know, like. Andy is this this is some metaphor for like I dated this girl one time and oh man like for everything she said every there was 10 oh boy I couldn't yeah. take it for a year not for 5 million bucks Well I think Andy and his wife will murder me for saying this but they did just have a child it was a wonderful child but I wonder if like part of that was boy you know you you got to take the child for walks the child cries at times and so forth and it's so wonderful. Like they give you the greatest moments of your life, but there's also some slow ones. They should give you five million dollars at the yeah. end of that first year. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so though, because I I did get to meet their their daughter uh, recently, and uh, wonderful, this well behind, well behaved, wonderful little little girl. You make it for a year with that bird? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I I, I don't. I don't know. Five million bucks, like okay, but I, I, I just <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I don't think that I want to live in Yellowstone for a year. I, I think that there's a thing like for me. For me, when you do these like crazy things for money bets, I need like an amount of money that will not only allow me to live the rest of my life, which five million, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, you could easily make it, um, but would allow me to live like lavishly, okay, for the rest of my life. So. You know, if you took it up to some number like seventeen million dollars, then I guess I'd be like, "All right, fine." But one thing is, uh, there was these old bets about like a guy had to live in Iowa for a month with no internet, like a like a poker player, <laughs> uh, and they were like, "There's no way you can do that, man." He's like, "Of course I can," and they did it for a hundred grand. <laughs> Just got to live in Iowa for a month. Can't leave the state border. 
But, you know, otherwise you can... I, I, I'm not even sure they had the internet restriction. I think he just had to stay in Iowa for a month. He made it two days. Oh. Just bought out of the bet for like 70 grand. and was like, this is horrible. <laughs> and I think I would I think I would love Yellowstone for a little while and then just, then just not. And then maybe... I would come back to it for a while, but I'm not like a great outdoorsman to begin yeah. with. I would need this bird to help me out. And then I, and then I do think I would, I think it would go beyond just the birds annoying. I think it would make me lose my mind. Okay. So no, right. I'm going to pass on it. All right. So let's come back to where we started. I'm ready. Okay. So uh, just as a reminder, here's the situation. You are a big time music producer and you are allowed to put together a music supergroup that will be called Birds of a Feather. Mm-hmm. They're going to make two albums, and they're going to tour and play together for one year. It's going to be great. What's the genre of music, and who are the four artists that you pick? All right. So uh, I, while you were talking there, I just did a little quick thinking. Um, and, uh, initially I was going to think birds of a, it was tough for me to get the, you know, the group, the birds out of my head. Okay. And so my initial leaning was like, oh, it's folk and you know, yada, yada, yada. Then my thought was like, maybe I'll just make it a bunch of like old dudes who are kind of past their prime, like, and just build it around Billy Joel. And, uh, you know, like, but I, I ditched that. Okay. Birds of a feather are going to be kind of like sort of prog um experimental rock okay they're going to be um all brits and here's the supergroup steve winwood peter gabriel elvis costello jeff lynn wow okay yeah. I, mean, like I don't jeff know lynn, who jeff lynn is elo okay. um, he oh, was in okay. the traveling wheelberry so he has supergroup experience Got it. Okay. already and gabriel and lynn have kind of like prog rock experience in there and then elvis and uh and winwood can bring him back to like hey there's got to be some pop structure in here this is still has to be like melodic appealing to the uh to the ear and they're going to put out two great albums nice uh give me a name of one of those two albums oh one of the two um red means red means go okay yeah good I like it. I flock together is got to be, you know, at some point, but red means go. All right. Nice. I like, I like it a lot. I, I didn't have an answer as you would imagine, but I, the thing that I, I thought it would be kind of like, you'd get like a jazz kind of super group because I think bird, Charlie Parker uh-huh. came to mind. And I, I thought maybe like a funk, like, sure. but I don't know. I couldn't tell you like the four funk artists that I would love to put together, but you know, I'm sure that that somebody could, and you'd make an awesome super group, and uh, you get guys from the Gap Band, maybe the maybe um uh, uh Mr. Blackman from Cameo. He's mm-hmm. I think he's not well, but get get him out there. Well, and it's he, just one year. Yeah, get George Clinton, get him. You know, get George Clinton out of P Funk, and uh, yeah, you can build something. You can build something real nice with with that. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm definitely gonna have a drummer. There's probably a bunch of people in the Revolution who don't have jobs right now who would you know absolutely love to be in a funk band. Yeah, but I can take people that do have jobs and make because it's a super group, and I'm allowed to pick. Well, they grab Morris Day without a doubt. Grab but that's Morris another Day. thing that I don't really understand is I I don't have a good sense for kind of like if you picked this part of mm-hmm. this band and put it with this part of another band, would it go well together? Yeah, like that's I don't have that instinct, right? I'm not like a I'm not I don't have any sort of music producing. I talked about my friend Greg Friedman earlier today. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll throw a shout out to his son, twelve year old, thirteen year old, forget exactly. But uh, Landon, who who is like incredible he's a funk impresario, no, but he's uh, he's like a, a a he's a producer of his own. So he makes his own tracks like on his computer. DJ Pixel A is what he calls himself. All right, check him out on you know Twitter. All right. I really, I mean, I think his stuff is great, and he's been sending out to like certain artists, and they you know they they've loved it. He's real real talented, and just kind of has a sense for how to take a song. That I've loved forever and break it down. And, you know, he puts like a lot of beats and stuff into it. So he's in in the, I'm not going to pigeonhole, but like he's kind of in like the marshmallow oh, okay. in, in that world of, you know, um, EDM type stuff. But he's not, he's not totally there. But anyway, but uh, w- w- what amazes me about, you know, it's just, it's, it's natural to him, right? In the same way that, I don't know, certain things like how to construct a game is kind of natural uh-huh. to me. Or like the great, you know, Goodwill Hunting line where Matt Damon's like, you know, some people look at the piano and they can just play. And, uh, it, you know, when people can do that, it's always incredible to me because it's so foreign to me when I listen to a song. I could never think, here are the components of that song that I'm going to put together and make it all work. But he can do it at 12 years old. You know what I was uh, like? Uh, I was with like that as a child. 
Hypothetical podcasts. Nice. Yeah. You just naturally had I just it. had to. And you still do today. Before, so. there, before there were podcasts, uh, I was... I was a- I was preternaturally gifted. I love it. Well, hopefully people have enjoyed this one. If you do, uh, you know, give give us a, a review and a rating. Uh, once we get to, uh, if we get to 250 five-star ratings, we'll be putting out a uh, an extra episode. So hopefully, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because we record these like, we, we probably have eight or nine that are already recorded. So like, I, I don't know by the time I say this, how many we'll have, whether we'll be at 250 or well short of it or whatever. But once we get to 250, we're doing we're doing a special episode. I would like to thank our producer, Nate DeFort, uh, Julie Nichols, who did our music, Emily Cardamus, who did the artwork for us. You can find us at Here's the Situation Podcast at Gmail. I think we're out there at uh, TJ and Rush on Twitter, I think, yep. is how you find Here's the Situation. And there's an Instagram thing out there, too. Uh, anything I'm forgetting? I don't think so. All right. Talk to you next time. <laughs>